it's one of those things where if you haven't done something before, you don't realize sometimes that you have more in the tank until the thing is finished. And I think you can relate to that if you're somebody that does these types of events or races in general. Sometimes it can be scary in the moment if you haven't pushed yourself to the max in certain ways. You don't necessarily want to test it on on a race all the time because, I mean, there are times where I was like, I can't breathe. It's not worth a heart attack here. Welcome back to the Thrive on Life podcast. We're CJ and Aaron Finley, lifelong best friends turned husband and wife that started a brand to inspire others to make the most out of the one life we all get to live. We are on a mission to help others in the pursuit of thriving in all areas of life through community, connection, and the sharing of knowledge. This series of the podcast with us as your hosts will feature unfiltered conversations on topics of life, marriage, parenthood, health, wellness, and what we consider the The art art of thriving. thriving. Let's dive in. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finney here again with my wife, Erin Finley, for another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And tonight's topic of conversation is going to be Hyrox. We just completed mixed doubles in Dallas, Texas, and it went really well. I'm excited to have this conversation, but I'm going to kick it over to you to kind of get this thing rolling. Oh, you didn't tell me that. So yeah, as CJ said, we just came off a weekend in Dallas. For those that don't know what Hyrox is, it is a functional fitness race. It basically tests your muscular endurance and cardiovascular endurance. It's a, it's a pretty intense sport, I'll call it that, but anyone can do it. That's the cool thing. So we've talked about it on previous episodes, but if you're tuning in and you're not familiar with it and you might have seen us talk about this race and you're like, what is that? It looks super crazy. Um, it is a race that involves eight workouts, all our functional strength-based workouts and cardio, and then one kilometer of running between each workout. So doubles was where we both signed up to do it together. So we both had to do the entire race, but we could split up how we completed each workout. And then we each had to run together and you had to go as fast as the slowest runner. So it was interesting. Um, And I think in this episode, we'll talk a little bit about how it went, what our strategy was going in, what went according to plan, what didn't, and how it went as husband and wife doing a competition together (laughs) as two competitive people. Um, We didn't really have a time goal going in. I'll say that I'm coming off of being pregnant um, seven months postpartum. It feels like it's been a while since, you know, giving birth. But I have to remind myself that I am in some ways still recovering and getting back to myself. So this was my way of doing that for myself, Um, not really putting a lot of pressure to complete the race at any particular time, but more so to get myself back in a space that felt like, you know, exciting. I am somebody that like thrives off of races and the energy of races. And typically when I sign up, I want to make sure I put my best effort into it. But this one was about just getting back out there and having fun with it and learning from the process. We did have a a little bit of a goal though. Hmm. I mean, you said, I think it was funny because the, probably the week before I was starting to get a little nervous because 
if I backtrack to when we decided we were going to do this, we actually filmed a video. You could check our YouTube. We filmed like how we're planning to train. And we like went really hard this one day of like doing a workout in our garage. And then, you know, it was really hot all summer, not to make excuses, but also we've been trying to balance like how do we train together when we have the baby. So our opportunities to actually train together never really happened. Uh, so most of our training leading up to this wasn't really high rock specific. It was really me just kind of getting back into running and making sure I had enough cardio under my belt. And then I'd say yours has been primarily focused on the ultra race that you're about to do. Uh, but we didn't really go to the, you know, the gym to do a simulation. I, we did, I did one uh, at Squatch where we both, well, I don't really go there very often, but we, that gym hosted a, basically a high rocks simulation for anyone who was interested in testing it, or maybe it was thinking about competing and kind of went through it there. And that was the extent of my training. So I think we had like a little bit of, I don't know, leading up to it, like I was saying, I think you were like, had a preconceived notion in your mind of what we th might be capable of. And in my mind, I didn't tell you, but I thought that that was not going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I've done singles. I think my fastest time was an hour and 11 minutes. So in my mind, I believed that you were going to help me shave at least five minutes from that. So I yeah, can't and if you break it down, like, like if you break it down five minutes, so eight kilometers, even though the, the running is one kilometer in between each workout, it ends up being 8K, which is around five miles. And we're used to running five miles. Like if we wanted to run five miles really fast, I think we could do it in, if we're doing just five miles straight, both of us could probably do it at like a seven minute per mile pace. But this is right after a workout. So you have to think every kilometer we were probably trucking around what what pace? Yeah, but you can't you can't do the math like that because it's point six seven miles. So you could run that at like six minute pace. That's what sure. I'm saying. So because it's broken up into like shorter segments, we can go even faster. But then you have to factor in the fact that you're like your legs are super heavy from doing leg based workouts. Yeah, but I, or I didn't for this race. I didn't factor any of that in. I, I just purely looked at what were our singles times prior to leading to this and then saying if we come together like what do we feel like we could get off the top of that and like again 111 minus five minutes is 106 which is what we did so going into it we were looking oh, at it's arbitrary like but 105 yeah I thought I thought for sure like I wasn't gonna because for me it's heavier weights so I I had to contribute to the workouts and do the men's weight which is like double what I would do if it was just doing the women's singles. I don't, so. I don't think you're understanding. Like I did 111 at that weight we were at. I do understand what you're so saying. So it didn't even really matter if you could do, I mean, this is exactly what happened. You did like 25% for most of like the heavier side weights and then the body weight stuff, you, we did 50-50. But in my head, that was an easy you're, calculation. In your head, you were like the minimum we're going to get is 111. That was basically what you're thinking. I mean, no, the, the maximum, the, the maximum. That's yeah, what I meant to say. because, and, yeah. but then I'm like, well, the maximum is going to be less than that because yeah, I did I, 111 myself. I get what you're saying. 
Yeah. But I was thinking like I was going to slow us down on the runs or something like that. Yeah. So. so I guess that that makes more sense because you still have to keep up with a certain pace. Right. Running wise to get a certain time. Um, I think you had more in the tank. Oh, I think you had totally more in the did. tank to give. But it's one of those things where if you haven't done something before, you don't realize sometimes that you have more in the tank until the thing is finished. And I think you can relate to that if you're somebody that does these types of events or races in general. Sometimes it can be scary in the moment if you haven't pushed yourself to the max in certain ways. You don't necessarily want to test it on on a race all the time because, I mean, there are times where I was like, I can't breathe. It's not worth a heart attack here. So, <laughs> but now having done the race and like finishing and, and feeling like I could, I actually ran six and a half miles the next day. I felt great. Like next time, yeah, I'll gun it a little bit more, but it was a good learning experience. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about working together while doing the race, because you said something interesting afterwards when we were at dinner, you thought that I was going to be more aggressive yeah, you were soft. You were soft. Um, I thought because I know you and how you are when it comes to races where anything is for time and you're you're signing up for something, like you might as well give it your all. I totally get that. And I thought it was gonna be interesting to see how we would do together if like the outcome of the race wasn't solely dependent on your performance and it was dependent on mine too. I thought you would be like a little more in the moments where I felt like I was kind of holding us back, I thought you would be a little more like disappointed in that in the moment, but you were very encouraging and <laughs> surprisingly and kept complimenting like my pace on certain things. So I think that really helped because I think I went into it being like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with him. I'm going to drag us down. It was kind of negative if I think about it. But then as we were like, I think the first thing was the ski and I think you, your motivational talk was like, that's great. Keep it up. That's a great pace. Just keep it up. And like, to me, that was like, okay, I can, I can keep going with that, that voice next to me. That's, that's encouraging versus if you're doing it by yourself, you don't really have anyone to pep you up. Uh, so it's a whole different experience to do the race just by yourself versus with a partner. I highly recommend doing it with a partner because you're in it together and you can pep the other person up when it gets really tough. So that was interesting. I, yeah, I'd say that you were softer than I expected and it's much appreciated. I don't know if I'd use the word soft because I still go hard in the paint, but I like to use the word like finesse and you've never, you never saw me play competitive sports and I was captain of a lot of the teams I was on the question I would have for you your preconceived notion of how you thought I was going to be but you know me as a leader that's very coach coaching style driven meaning like I'm not abusive or aggressive to get something out of somebody it's more finesse than anything else and that's stemmed from learning over time with sports that to get the most out of the people on your team, you have to one, understand the person because different people react in different ways. But what was going through your head when maybe I'm like, let's just say on the row 
where I'm, I'm doing okay, but I'm not at the pace that you would go. What is going through your head? Are you like calculating, okay, if she keeps it up at this pace, we're, we're losing time here or what, what's, what are you thinking when I'm not performing to your ability? Yeah. It's interesting with mixed doubles because like when you're doing the same exact thing and I'm stronger, so I'm going to go faster at certain things. It's tough for me to really judge what pace you should be going at because I don't know. Like I don't, I've never been you and I've never like watched every, like we didn't train where it's like we were calculating on a sheet. Like then I could know if we were on pace, quote unquote, for what we wanted to strive for. But I mean, I don't care enough to think like, even if we were super competitive, I don't care enough. Like, super yeah, we're not like good not enough gonna, to be in the elite 15. No, we, so. we could, if we spent our lives dedicated to it, but I don't want that. So when I think about it, it's like, how much energy do you want to put into this? But in the moment, it's really in my head, I'm just like, what's going to get the most out of you? Like what approach can I take to get the most out of you? And this, this goes across anything that we do in life when it involves teams it's what's going to get the most out of people is a different approach for each person because when i was going like what was i telling you like yell at me like yeah i'm not very coachy <laughs> coach <laughs> i'm not a good coach <laughs> let's put it that way no you don't say that you just you'd have to learn you you ha- it's a skill it, yeah, it's just I like anything else i yeah i guess i've never really been in the environment to like yell at someone to do better like at dance in my background that wasn't how it worked (laughs) I wasn't really on like a sports team so anyway I would say this is it's it's a great convo because in our relationship we get we've gotten in trouble in the past because I'm approaching you as if in the way that I want to be approached like I want somebody to kick my ass, to yell at me. Like if I'm if I'm performing poorly, I want it direct. I want it stern. I want. Don't I tell you like? When no, you're, you you're more like nitpicky. Yeah, I'm definitely nitpicky. But that no guy wants nitpicky. So how should I? Okay, if if I see that you like okay, don't clean up. What what happened properly? with the coffee thing earlier? What happened with the coffee thing? Like you bought a new coffee thing. Why? Because it broke. Oh yeah, if, the coffee in a situation broke. like that. I want you to come to me and say in a direct way, this is what happened. This is what I need from you. And if you say it like that, I'm cool. But if it's your like, did you take out the trash? (laughs) Did you do this? Like, no, you didn't communicate it to me. Like in the way that. But sometimes um, I feel like I shouldn't have to tell you certain things, but this is going on a tangent. Um, no, it applies to, to sports and life. Okay, I'll be very... On the field, when you're on the field, if I don't communicate what I want from you or what to expect, that's miscommunication. Like when I played soccer, if I, if I don't communicate, hey, so how, square. Okay, so what's the, difference through between, ball, like, what's the difference between telling you directly, take the trash out and being nitpicky? No, nitpicky is, it's just like how... I say things you don't like rather than what I say. Like the things that I say, you more you care more about how you say how it. you say it. I'm saying the same thing. It's how you say it and how you approach it. Okay, so I can still tell you to take the trash out and clean up and Yes, but it's how you are going to say it. How are you going to say it? Stop are leaving you gonna, your clothes all over the floor. Yeah, are you going to say <laughs> it in 
a coaching style okay, way? Okay, I'll try to be a coach. Or are you going to say that. like an asshole? I'm, I'll remember <laughs> to be a coach. And you after thought, this episode. Yeah. So, I mean, but I think it'll help you. If that will help you clean up, then great. Being, coach. being in, the, in the arena, if you think about how well we work together there, that needs to transition into real life and everyday life. So I you think we analyze. Work well together. I've just learned no. that there's certain things that. I'm not saying we don't work well together. I'm saying like in the areas that we need improvement, sure. think of how gotcha. we just raced. Gotcha. So one of the things that I asked you after the race, I think as we were kind of reflecting on it was because you were like, oh, next time we'll definitely get such and such time. And I was thinking, oh, I didn't know there was going to be a next time. Like, when are we going to stop doing high rocks? Like, is, are we just indefinitely doing high rocks forever? Because not that I don't, not that I don't want to keep doing it, but Talk a little bit about what has attracted you to keep coming back time after time. Like, what is it about it that you would describe to someone as the feeling you get after finishing that makes you want to sign up right away for the next one? I think it's the simplest way to put this is I've never had a bad time. I've never had a bad time there. Even when I did terrible and got my ass kicked, it's always made me feel good afterwards how so, but how does it make you feel good like well what before is it? i answer that like if something makes me feel good why not at least do it once a year yeah right and so the- people like will take vacations once a year right i'll do a high rocks once a year because it makes me feel good yeah afterwards. and i feel like it's been really cool to build the community around it i mean all the people, not all of them, but, but a ton of people from Austin that were there were there because we started doing this a couple of years ago. So yeah, I mean, it was really like that makes it fun. It was really cool because this this time around we partnered with Powerlift and Roan, and we went up to the Roan store the day before, and we had and Men in the Arena, the men's group that I help build. Shout out to Bray, who is the guy spearheading it. Um. We came together to get a lot of guys their their first chance at High Rocks. They got decked out in some Roan by Powerlift gear, and then Powerlift sponsored not only the tickets, but they also kicked in. They have a van so that a bunch of people could go up together and have an experience that was like I did experience in college going up in the in a team bus. So there was some really cool content and relationships built because of that, and I already... We're in a group chat and so many guys are like, I can't wait till Houston. Who's, when are we going to start training and all this stuff? But take all that away. Like say I, say I didn't have that. Say I was an individual just competing in the sport. I still would continue to do it. The, the, the cherry on top is the community and the vibe and the people I meet and the camaraderie, the collaboration, the connection I have to people. It goes above and beyond when we're in that arena, it's everyday life. So that's a huge reason why I keep showing up to it. I would say that's a reason why I do it multiple times a year. But if you took all that away, I miss sports. I miss competing. And as a husband, father, entrepreneur, I'm spending my days doing a lot of other things that, yes, it's competing in a certain way, but it's not meme versus me 
flow state for an hour, nothing else matters. My phone is literally nowhere to be found. I am just locked in. That's That was every Saturday and Sunday, my entire childhood and young adult life. Yeah. Every weekend was that, literally. And that got taken away from me and I realized that's not a piece of me that I wanted to let go. So once I found this sport and realized, well, it's once in a while, it's not every weekend, but what I've replaced my weekends with is showing up with people that are training for it or training for something. So it feels like the sport and the beauty is when you played the sport, it's like a binded contract. Like when I had my season, like that's what I was so heavily invested in versus when you do something like this, if you want to take a weekend off, you can. Like I'm showing up because I want to. I'm not showing up because I have this contract that I'm a part of this team and I have to hold my my contract. Yeah, and I think it's it's unique because it's not like others I guess it's a sport and an outlet where you don't have to be super competitive to do it. Like we know we're not going to train hard enough to be in the elite ranking. I guess I guess that we know we're not going to break a world record or a US record. This this is another great point going into your question. I keep coming back because I keep getting better. In some way. I like this you learn this past new race like my time. back is fucked up from it, but I felt so good. And I don't know if you could tell, but I crushed it. And it felt really good to like crush this race and after the race be like, damn, I feel like I could like go work out again. Like I felt great and it it went so fast to me because I felt so great that like a great example is coming out of the sleds. Usually I'm I'm like hurting and like, yes, I was a little bit slower, but I don't even remember them. I don't remember the sleds. That's how I know that we, yeah, I was I mean, prepared. if you compare like the way you felt this time to, granted it's doubles, but the way you felt this time versus how you felt maybe the first couple of times you've done the race, that is cool to see the progress of you getting fitter because you're not training more. You're not, and you're not training specific to high rocks. I'd say actually in those prior years, you were probably training, training a harder. lot more and a lot harder for the race itself. So that's cool to see the effects of like compound consistency. And where I was going with the other comment of like, we're not really there to be like the number one mixed doubles couple. So us showing up time and time again is more about just like, let's see what we're capable of. This is cool. Like, and it's also a sustainable way of training and that's I think we talked about that in another episode but like training for a marathon takes a lot of toll on your body training for an Ironman takes toll like certain other races like that are all all consuming and this I feel like is just a very manageable way to stay fit I mean you just got to keep up your cardio and you got to keep up your muscular endurance and you don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to be a CrossFit athlete to do it. You don't have to know, you know, form of crazy lifts or anything like that. Um, and to anyone, any girl who might be 
intimidated by the thought of doing it, like I will just reiterate that I am a Pilates and bar enthusiast and yogi. Like that is my jam and and runner. Yeah, and a runner. But I've but I've still had enough strength to go out there and, and crush it with you. So it doesn't matter what your style of workout is. It's more about like your cardio endurance, I'd say. Yeah, if you're going to start with anything, I guess when it comes to high rocks, it's your running is going to help the most, your, your cardio. It's way easier to train for the strength than it is the cardio. The cardio is time, time on legs. You're going to have to put in some miles or get on a bike and get your cardio up. The strength portion, I think, is a lot easier to teach because it's less time-induced and more like, create an eight-week program and, and get stronger. But for the running, I mean, that's that's why I've progressively gotten better over time Right, is I still strength train rather the same, but my running, my mileage has increased. And I haven't been running faster. I've actually been running the slowest I've ever been running because I'm preparing for an ultra. And I think if anyone has done a high rocks race and you're listening to this and you're wondering to get better and wondering what to do, my suggestion would be don't focus as much on the the workouts, but focus more on your threshold running of at faster paces and maybe doing the workout and then going straight into a run so you get used to having your heart rate elevated that way. And and the beauty of that is you don't have to do you don't have to even touch the high rocks machines. Like what right. you do in the high rocks. Right. You can you can I mean, you could just do regular squats and then go run right One after thing you do I a squat. I don't like, which I've seen, and you're probably going to not agree with me on this, but I feel like because it's a race, I see a lot of bad form. I see a lot of people doing things that aren't from a, yeah, I'll say from a form perspective, like on the ski ergs or even in the lunges, like sometimes people just get, get through it because they just want to get through it as fast as possible. And that's the nature of having like a time-based race. But I don't like that aspect of it, I will say. But I don't know how you would fix it. I just feel like I don't want to sacrifice form just to get a little bit faster because then you get hurt. Not necessarily. That, like especially like, on the row and the – You're like cor- see you're that correlating the- something that's not – like. Most of those machines that you do, like you can't have that bad a form where you're going to hurt yourself. This isn't CrossFit. Like, no, you're you not going to hurt yourself erg, like in CrossFit. If you do a skier differently than somebody else, you're not going to hurt yourself. Like that, that was my biggest tiff with you before the race is just like, you're, you're caring too much what your skier looks like rather than just fucking going, just rip the erg, rip it off. I was more concerned <laughs> with like, now the rower, too much energy. The rower that that's where slow is smooth, smooth is fast does apply. But for the erg, especially someone that's shorter like yourself, using your whole body weight will one be more efficient for you because you were you were ripping it with your upper body doing a hinge, and you're just not like if you're Noah, you can do that because you have enough weight to do it that way, and you're tall enough to hinge back. Mm-hmm. But if you're lighter like us, you got to use your core and your whole body to get that fan going. And then you're, it's actually going to be more efficient for you over the long run because you're not going to burn your arms out doing during the hinge. 
Um, I feel like I couldn't I explain that fine. there, but I mean, it, it, it was fine. But if we're talking about, I mean, you brought up this topic, form versus form and function versus time. And I think for, for this, you need to realize for this race specifically, like there's not, like, I'm trying to think like, what could you actually get hurt? Well, on? also the, you, okay. Hurt is whatever. I just feel like <laughs> even with wall balls, like I'm not the best one to talk here because I didn't do any because I sucked at them. But like, do you get super low? Like people do this race and don't, know how to watch do my latest wall things. ball youtube video yeah, that that that'll help you that's one area but you know you know i've taught you the wall balls like what's the form for the wall balls what were you doing and a lot of other people that like they stand too, too far back and they rely on their shoulders and like catching the ball rather than getting closer okay but do you keep your arms up the whole time because i've seen some of the elites do that where like they'll throw the ball and it'll hit the wall and then they keep their arms up they never bring their arms down do you feel like it uses more energy to bring your arms down? What do you mean? Dan? Like they like all to, go down into a squat. Yeah. You, your body goes down, but what about your arms? It, it depends on who you are. It doesn't look like their arms are going down because a lot of them are pl six foot plus tall. Yeah, so even if it. their arms are down, their arms are still above Longer their heads. Mine. Yeah. But for you, the, the thing that. For me, it was just super heavy. No, and no. Sweaty. For you, it was your mind. It was that too. Once Before I, we got to the wall balls, I, you already were. Yeah. And that's a good point. I think like something to talk about is whether you run high rocks or any other thing, like maybe you're a marathoner and you have a point in a race where you're like, this is not going to plan. Then you, you start to have those like negative thoughts creep in. And how do you, how do you channel that out? I mean, luckily for me, it was at the end of the race. So I, I didn't blow it for us, but I think what I have to do a better job of is like recognizing when that happens and being like, all right, get my head back in this. Like this is not worth wasting yeah, just what, because I had a bad what, rep. Yeah, I, I guess you got to ask yourself like what causes that? It's, I think I've played sports for so long that I don't, I've got that out of me. Like I remember specifically, so we do the wall balls. I was contemplating doing a hundred unbroken and I probably got to like 60 and in my head I was like, well, Scott's videoing us. We're making a YouTube video, taking photos. I want to get Aaron doing some photos of wall balls. So I'll stop at 75. Can't wait to see And if she can't can. get to 100, <laughs> like I'll come back in. Literally gets the ball, picks it up, does her first wall ball, drops it, and it rolls three feet behind you, but you don't do anything. You just like look at the ball and I'm like, the fuck are you doing? Go pick the ball up and like, get going. I don't know why I think like, I thought someone was going to give me a new ball. Why like, did you like stop? I don't know. I just assumed like I was going to get a new one from the judge. But I don't know where my mind was <laughs> at that moment. It was embarrassing. And then but. you did two more, dropped it again. And then I just I was like, get out of here. Yeah, I'm going like, to finish move this Move over. Off. Yeah. And then you thought I was mad. Yeah. I thought you were really mad. Like when we crossed the finish, I was like so apologetic about that. But. We did well. But what? Tell them how I was, though. Can't I don't, leave them when I, I mean, you weren't really, mad. you weren't, you were like, it's fine, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't talk about it after that. It was fine. Yeah. It, what, what made me the most angry, it wasn't even, like, I don't give a shit about whether we took an extra minute on wall balls. 
was your mentality. Like I could tell that going into it, like when you went to pick the balls up, you already in your mind defeated yourself. I could tell. And that's what was frustrating to me. It's just like, I don't give a shit how, how bad our time is at any of those things. But don't look at me like you're going to defeat yourself before we even get to it. Yeah, I think that's my takeaway from the race is like that happened for me at this race at the end. So it wasn't really representative of like how I would handle it in the future if that happened like in the middle in the middle or the beginning of the race. But I need to do a better job of like keeping a mindset of I can do this. Let me just correct it and stay positive the whole time. And yeah, that's something I'm going to carry into my running too. Yeah. And to your point of kind of like the peaks and valleys, again, relating back to sports, it was something that I missed in life because life is like that. In sports, in every game, there's ups and downs. I mean, there's very few games where we would like blow teams out, obviously. But most of the games are are pretty close and one pass one way or one deflection one way changes the game. And the teams that win over the long run for many years are coached in a way where they're great when they go down. It's not when they're winning that they're the best. And the best teams I ever played on, it was if we go down, we get pissed and we play better. We don't put our heads down. And when you're in a race like this, it's tough because when you're not doing doubles and you're doing singles, I recommend people do singles as well because it is a great place to like hit the pain cave and see how you talk to yourself. Yeah, because you learn you don't, a lot from your, about You don't yourself. have other people around. You don't have, I mean, you have people cheering you on, but you don't have a person next to you saying, come on, you can do this, let's go. Um, so doing singles is very, very powerful to see how you talk to yourself. And I think over the years, I've become the type of person that, on, and I think we do a great job of this in everyday life. On the days where I know I got it, I push it. And the days where I'm just like, eh, this is like isn't my day, I still look to get 1% better, but I don't beat myself up in my mind over it. Yeah. I feel like this was a really good test of how we would perform under minimal training because we really did do minimal training for this. So I would say minimal specific training. Yeah. You've been kicking ass. I mean, you kicked ass through your pregnancy. You did the most strength training I've ever seen you do. So don't discredit yourself. If, yeah, I mean, that's not comparing compounds. myself to the people that race. Um, in that, in comparison to that, I but didn't the, do much. Yeah, the, like, I got to call it how it is. Like, we were talking about the power lift and men in the arena and the that wave of guys, they started at 8.30 in the morning. We started at 8.50. We probably beat half of those teams. So they started 20 minutes before us, and we beat them. And this is just going into your mentality of reflecting and saying, I'm a fucking badass. Like, you are a badass. You are a beast. You have consistently run and worked out for over a decade. So to be able to go into an arena and perform like that without any specific tough training is not surprising to me. I don't know why it's surprising to you. I don't know why you surprise yourself Well, that just goes like into that. like my own head of, to me, there's always more to do. Like there's, al there's always a better performance that I could achieve. But it wasn't about that for this race. And yes, I reflected on 
the fact that I did much better than I thought. And I'm proud of that. I'm most proud of doing it at this stage in my postpartum journey and feeling like I'm starting to get back to like the fire that I feel around fitness. And that is motivating. Do you feel that you leave potential on the table though, because of that mindset? For sure. I also leave potential on the table because I've never really gone all in on athletic performance because I feel like I'm constantly balancing so much of like my career, now motherhood, and there is a part of me that's like, it would be really yeah, cool to like- Yeah, but I think you can put, go all in, but put, not all consumed. Like Nick Bear talks about this all the time. Yeah. Like if you're training once or twice a day, to me, that is all in. What more could you possibly do? Well, I don't want to train twice a day, <laughs> but- yeah, if I if I treat it I mean, like sometimes you do train twice. If a day. I treat it you like run a job, and then you do mobility or yoga or. Yeah, if I treat it like a job, I think it will be interesting to see what I'm capable of. So I look forward to that. But I was going to ask you for next time when you say we're going to do another one together, and let's say we have a little more opportunity to train. What would you suggest we do to to improve our time? I think the only thing that we need to do is tempo runs and threshold runs as a, as a team because so what would that look if like if we do it individually it doesn't matter if i really increase my speed but you can't keep up with me so we have to do it almost together so that we can judge like how fast do we really need to be going and the best way to do this is reverse engineer like how fast do we have to run in between the different exercises to get the time that we want i would say a three, four, five minute improvement would be great. So if we looked at like getting a 101, 102, 103, which in my mind, I'm like, we could shave four minutes. Like for sure. And we could, if if it's just like shaving 30 seconds off of every kilometer. Yeah, for I sure. Think we could. I think we could have done it in that. We could have gotten close in that race. Because I'm always a little slow. I mean, I'm saying always, but for this past race, coming out of a workout and getting back into the run, it takes me like a full lap to actually get up to pace, to accelerate. Yeah, and again, I also think that you get in your mind a little bit. Of like, I, I could tell that you had an extra gear that you weren't tapping into. But again, we've never done that race before together. And that's what I was saying in the beginning. It's like, now I know I have an extra gear. At that time, I, I kind of knew in my head, but I didn't want to test it. Which brings up another great tip for anybody doing doubles. Don't, run directly together because somebody is going to be the straggler and whoever's not the straggler needs to be five feet or 10 feet ahead of that person and just kind of like straggler it's almost here. like the cheese for a mouse it's like you see it and it's just like okay i gotta go a little bit faster a little bit faster a little bit faster rather if you sit together you end up kind of catering to the slower person and you both slow down so yeah. our strategy was whoever felt better was gonna run five or 10 feet ahead. And then we're just gonna keep looking back every once in a while and make sure the person's behind us. I think there and was like, only one time that I was ahead of you. After and the sleds. I, really? Yep, that was the only time. Which also goes to show like, I, the improvement I've made. Like you, you've seen me in a lot of pain in some of these races. And I mean, that was, that was the most fun I've had doing one for sure. For a lot of reasons, but yeah. going back to what we need to do in training, it's the other interesting. It's yeah, that go ahead. 
The other interesting thing was we talked about this is because we're husband and wife in the, the exercises where we switched off, it was a little easier for us to like judge when the person needed the other person to take over. So let's just say the burpee broad jumps like you started that one, I think, or did I you I think did. I started that one and I didn't say like, okay, can you jump in now? I think you kind of just sensed that I needed the break. And then same thing for some of the other exercises where it just made sense because we can kind of read each other. But if you're with a partner where maybe you're not super close or you haven't really done anything like this together before, like I think you have to be communicating and more strategic about how you're going to switch off. If Yeah, for sure. When I've done my doubles with other guys, we had more of a strategy going into those things, but I think we didn't even we didn't even talk about it because we kind of we were just the only strategy it out. we had was that you were starting most things and finishing most. Yeah, besides the burpees. Everything else I pretty much which I guess going into our training, like I thought about do we have you get strong like I don't feel like we have. I don't feel like we have to do any of the events any differently. Yeah, I'm not really interested in getting any stronger. Actually, I mean, like, I want to get stronger, but I'm not interested in putting the time in to get stronger because I don't think incrementally it will do anything for me. I think I just need to maintain strength, and I like to do that in different ways than Hyrax training. Like, I'm not gonna push. I mean, strength. it also this is the interesting thing about mixed doubles versus like just men's doubles or women's doubles. Could you incrementally even get no to the it. point that would really help me? Like if you're doing a like sled, let's do sled pull for instance. Like you only did a quarter of the entire sled pull. For you to help me at like fifty fifty, like I'd have to be doing what Megan Jacoby is. But I don't even know if that would be even worth it because no, right, it wouldn't because then I'm you more helping tired at twenty five percent helps enough where. I think the best thing I can do is just become a faster runner and help you in that way. So, yeah. All right. Anything else before we wrap this? I think people that towards the end of this, if you don't do high rocks, it might've been a little bit confusing. So I'd love for you to go to my YouTube channel. And I mean, I've made probably four videos on high rocks up to this point. I've done why I started high rocks, how to train for high rocks. I did that one with Bray Houston doubles, with Alex Radcliffe, the whole experience of like driving to Houston and like what it actually looks like, what Hyrox looks like. I've done videos on like how to improve your wall balls because that that's a beast for everybody and a lot of people get intimidated by those. And we're going to be releasing a Mixed Doubles Dallas YouTube video as well. So if you're looking to get involved with a sport or you were confused by some of the things that we were talking about, here on this podcast, go check out those YouTube videos and then you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, last takeaway in the spirit of Thanksgiving, since it's tomorrow, I just want to say I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I have a partner that likes to live this lifestyle and do these kind of things with me. I feel like it has been a really nice highlight of the last couple of years of like having these races and I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you weren't even running. So I feel like doing this stuff together has improved our relationship, our time together. Like, you know, we're, uh, what's the love language is like time spent for me. So I appreciate it. 
yeah, I think that goes into what I was most proud of this past weekend. We flew my mom out to spend time with our son, Aiden, and she did a wonderful job of taking care of him so Aaron and I could spend time together and get in flow state during this race. And it was really nice and a proud moment for me where as a family, we were going out to the restaurants, we had an Airbnb. Obviously, I would have loved for more of our family to be there, but I know that's going to happen in the future. It just brought back so many memories of me going to tournaments and how fulfilling it was. Yeah, I loved, like, we talked about this a little bit, but I loved the fact that we got an Airbnb there and we had memories together with Aiden and we created like an experience out of it. It wasn't just like, Oh, we're going up to this race and driving back. And that's that, like it was a whole thing and it was really fun. And I look forward to more trips like that. Yeah. That's the advantage of like saying you're going to do it once a year. I think of we're going to do it that way at least once a year. There might be some other races where we just kind of wing it, but and just well, I feel do the that way about back. like running too. Like I would love to run the major marathons and make trips out of that. But it's on the bucket list. Yeah, we're going to make it happen. Best way that you can help us here is to share this episode with somebody that needs to hear it. So if you've wanted to sign up for a High Rocks race, send it to this person that you think would love to do it too because that's pretty much what I did and have done over the years. My buddy Alex Radcliffe and Alex Armiento, they came in fourth out of everyone for doubles they absolutely crushed it. And Alex is a good friend of mine who grew up with me. He grew up on my street. And when I went to his bachelor party, he saw me training for the world championships. And I think that sparked something in him. He asked me about it. He then did high rocks individually. His wife did it individually too. And he kept on going. I've run, I've run races with him. And then this race uh, our buddy Armiento is an absolute savage and them, yeah, them two together crushed it. And he just reminds me of the potential of anybody to kind of pick this sport up and have a blast with it and also integrate it into your everyday life. He's a financial advisor. So if you listen to this and you're interested in it, don't feel like you have to do it alone. If you live here in Austin, Texas, we are doing something called Squatch Rocks at Squatch Frontier Fitness where we're going to be training for high rocks. We have about 20 to 30 people that come out to these things. So even if girls, you don't guys, want to do a high rocks, it's still fun. Yeah. Even if you don't want to do the arena based high rocks and you just want to come out and have fun and meet cool people, I highly recommend checking that out at Squatch Frontier Fitness. Give us that five star rating and review and connect with Aaron and I on Instagram. We love to connect with other people that are into this type of stuff. If you have questions on training, nutrition, anything health related, blood work, sleep. We are super passionate about that and love to connect with other people that are as passionate as we are. Till next time, this is CJ and Aaron. Thrive on y'all. What's up y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. 
When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.